Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. And uh, looks like I'm going to be batching it this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Wife, sister's in town. They're going to be going out. Son's out of town. Daughter's out of town. So I'm going to party like a rock star. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to sit here and do nothing. Maybe go to the gym. Uh, anyway, welcome to the uh, the show. Please come inside. Here's the uh, number. It's 800-922-6680. So, um... A lot of stuff happening in the news. Oh, oh, did you hear the latest? L- listen to this. You know, the uh, you heard the expression rats jumping off the ship. We know that Susan Rice left the uh, Biden uh, camp, left the Biden White House on Monday, and didn't really explain why. Well, why'd she leave the uh, Biden White House? I don't understand. But she just decided to get off the ship, I guess. There were some rumors going around. A big Peter Navarro said, yes, yeah, she's going to be the vice president and all that stuff. But uh, she's, uh, she's uh, left. And then, and you know who resigned today? Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, the chief, the chief propagandist for the CDC, who uh, basically all of the COVID protocol, uh, protocols that she presided over were ultimately re- uh, proven to be absolutely false and destructive. Remember that. Every protocol that she espoused every time that you said, I don't think that's, she'd say, that's disinformation, that's misinformation, shut up. She presided over all of it. She gave it a rubber stamp. She endorsed it. She and Tony Fauci worked together. Don't let them try to rewrite history. So uh, driving the news is apparently she submitted her resignation today. We'll leave her post at the end of June per a CDC announcement. Well, you don't really need a CDC announcement because I just said it. Uh, She leaves CDC a stronger institution. (laughs) Well, yeah, if you're talking about propaganda machine that shuts down freedom of speech and differing opinions and forces, mandates things on people they don't need. Oh, yeah, made it a whole hell of a lot stronger. Better position to confront health threats and protect Americans. And then she quoted, she says, I took on this role at your request with the goal of leaving behind the dark days of the pandemic, which you actually made worse, and moving CDC and public health forward into a much better and more trusted place. Really? Now, I think you did a really terrible, terrible job. You uh, ruined our economy, and also you ruined the lives of millions of children and probably cost the lives of thousands and, and maybe even hundreds of thousands of Americans. There you go. So she's, uh, she's uh, dropping off there, another, another uh, rat scurrying off the uh, deck of the SS Titanic. And, uh, and then, oh, on this, I thought you should know this, Democrat voters. I, I thought you should know this. Um, your mind has been made up for you. You do not have uh, a choice for 
the Democrat candidate for president. You are going to support Joe Biden. I thought I'd tell you that. Now, right now, we have a primary process going on in the Republican Party. People are adding their, throwing their hat in the ring. I get it. That's cool. That's the way it should be. Let the uh, winner, you know, uh, the, the votes determine the winner. But unfortunately, the Democrat Party doesn't do uh, voting anymore. They do rigged voting. They do uh, the FBI involved. They do the deep state involved in controlling information. Republicans, we're just going to do it. Well, provided that, you know, the people in the Republican Party uh, and people uh, pulling the strings at Fox like Paul Ryan uh, don't try to put their elbow on the scale. But this is Simone Sanders this morning on uh, Morning Joe, who, by the way, completely down with uh, the Russian disinformation uh, hoax that uh, the FBI and the CIA perpetrated on the American people, saying that the laptop was Russian disinformation. Joe Scarborough should be ashamed to show his face in public. And not just for this, by the way. There's a lot of reasons. But anyway, here's Simone Sanders saying, uh, Joe Biden's your candidate, whether you like it or not. Doesn't matter who gets into the ring. Robert Kennedy Jr., who's polling at 20% without spending almost anything at all nope not going to be it the sitting president of the united states of america is a democrat a democrat that would like to run for re-election so much so that he has declared a re-election campaign right. in that case the democratic national committee will not facilitate a primary process there will be no debate stage for bobby kennedy marine Will marianne williamson or anyone else to so we're going to have another bobby kennedy in an empty chair in the debate, right? There will be no debate. Yeah, no debate. <laughs> the Democratic yeah. National Committee administers the debates, and they're not going to set up a primary process for debates to for someone to challenge the head of the Democratic Party. There you go. You don't have a choice. How you like that, guys? Well, hey, the Democrat Party, I mean, honestly, if you're still a member of the Democrat Party in good standing, considering their insanity on the issues and now this... Wasn't it? The, I guess there were there were about a half a million people in a campaign called the Walk Away Campaign. There are half a million people leaving the Democrat Party, mostly people of color, and their stories were featured on Facebook until right after the 2020 election. And then Facebook took away the Walk Away movement. So basically, they uh, they electrified the razor ribbon around the Democrat uh, encampment. So you've got to stay on the plantation. In other words. House Foreign Affairs uh, Republicans sent a letter on uh, Tuesday to uh, Tony Blinken demanding more information about the department's funding of groups that censor conservative speech. I mentioned this yesterday. The House Foreign Affairs Committee uh, Republicans noted the GEC, the Global Inf uh, the Global uh, Engagement Center, funded the Global Information Index, a foreign data-driven advocacy organization which created blacklists of U.S. domestic media voices to cripple U.S. citizen journalists and advertising revenue. The dynamic exclusion list kept uh, media outlets like uh, uh, Breitbart and Newsmax and uh, who else? One American News and Real Clear Politics and the Washington Examiner and the Daily Wire and the Daily Caller and uh, New York Post told them you don't need to spend your money with them because they disseminate disinformation. Yeah. The GOP members of Congress noticed that the federal government cannot scrap the First Amendment merely because they want to curb disinformation or misinformation, but that's what they did. The First Amendment of the Constitution prohibits government officials from censoring disfavored speakers and viewpoints. Wait, didn't they make Hunter Biden's laptop disinformation? Now do you get it? Merely labeling speech misinformation or disinformation does not strip away First Amendment protections, although they told you you couldn't say it, remember? And I said, yeah, I can. 
If the mainstream media, big social media, and the Democrat Party say that what you say is misinformation or disinformation, it means they know, you know the truth. And I was right. Just because something is labeled disinformation does not strip away First Amendment protections. In other words, you have every right to say anything and have an opinion on anything. If you think the election was stolen, if you think the Hunter Biden laptop was real, if you think that Russian disinformation or Russian uh, collusion didn't happen, you had every right to say those things. And the federal government and the deep state <clears throat> and, uh, and big social media, they told you you couldn't, and they succeeded for a while. And I never went along. And I suffered because of it. I lost my social media followings. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it was tremendous. It wasn't, you know, life-ending. Government officials may not circumnavigate the First Amendment by inducing, threatening, and or colluding with private entities to suppress protected speech. 2019, Richard Engel, the very first head of the GEC, after its 2016 founding during the Obama administration, they started disinformation. They started disinformatia. That means fundamental change of the United States of America. He published an op-ed in the Washington Post calling for an effective end of the First Amendment. Listen to this, guys. The basis of the First Amendment, the marketplace of ideas model, is actually not working. Marketplace of ideas is this notion that good ideas will drive out bad ideas. Well, it was kind of a mystical notion coming from Milton and John Stuart Mill, and that doesn't really happen anymore. I'm actually very sympathetic to the U.S. adopting some versions of hate speech laws in Europe. So they killed the First Amendment. They killed the First Amendment starting in about 2016. Then uh, some things happened. Tucker Carlson started reporting on it. Matt Taibbi and others were able to get a hold of the Twitter files and expose how badly Twitter had been corrupted. It was a, a government agency. We owe Elon Musk for exposing this. This is really big. This is Matt Taibbi's latest Twitter file. Who helped overturn the Pentagon Papers principle? The Washington Post and the New York Times. Last December, Michael Schellenberger reported in a number one Twitter files that the Aspen Institute hosted a hack and dump working group exercise in the summer of 2020. It was entitled Burisma Leak. <laughs> Listen to this, which predicted with uncanny accuracy the upcoming derogatory story in the New York Post about Hunter Biden's laptop. So not only did the FBI and CIA shut down Hunter Biden's laptop, create this uh, 51, uh, this, this letter with 51 intelligence officials, they literally held a, uh, a big conference for news, uh, news outlets so they could control the messaging. The document Schellenberger published show at least five media figures, including David Sanger, David McGraw, the New York Times, Washington Post, Daily Beast, all of them were involved, worked alongside Twitter and Facebook chief moderation officers, Joel Roth, Nathaniel Gleicker, to plan a response to a hypothetical damaging expose about Joe Biden's son. The FBI knew about it. The FBI knew about the Hunter Biden laptop. This is how they uh, C-blocked us from knowing about it. 
The Burisma leak exercise predicted to uh, many of the elements of the real response to the New York Times coming Hunter Biden story, including complaints from influential Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff about its source and veracity and public statements from former senior intelligence officials falsely raising the specter of a Russian operation. Newly discovered documents show the war-gamed choreographed response to the New York Post piece in October 2020, which included temporary suppression by those those tech path platforms, Twitter and Facebook, covered it up, may have been a part of a broader plan to rethink basic journalism standards beyond just one indict incitement. This included junking what experts involved with the laptop a tabletop exercise referred to as Pentagon Papers principle. This has been, by the way, since the Pentagon Papers, a guiding principle for journalism, and journalism agreed to trash it. Under which, this is the Pentagon Papers principle, which journalists since Daniel Ellsberg's 1971 leak had operated under a single rule. Once information is authenticated, if it is newsworthy, publish it. And our news media did exactly what the news media is forced to do in Cuba and forced to do in North Korea. They did it voluntarily, even though we have the First Amendment. Can you believe it? You're witnessing so much history right now. And you're witnessing the worst thing that has ever happened in our history with regard to political malfeasance, election interference, and the restriction of freedom of speech. Absolutely amazing. I've got a little more of this coming up. 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. The one thing the America-hating left and Democrats didn't expect. Unlike them, we don't hate America. We are finally putting America first. It's The Rob Carson Show. Coming up, we've got some great audio from uh, Newsmax about uh, Tucker Carlson's departure from Fox. And uh, yesterday I was listening to an interview by Bill O'Reilly. Um, I'm not a big fan of Bill O'Reilly, never have been. Just, you know, nothing personal. We, you know, you like Bill O'Reilly, maybe you don't. I don't care. You like uh, Tucker, maybe you don't. I don't care. Uh, I just have never been a big fan of, uh, of Bill O'Reilly and his, uh, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I heard him yesterday talking about... He says, oh, yeah, the reason why uh, Fox News uh, fired Tucker Carlson is they wanted to avoid lawsuits. That's what he said. They, they wanted to avoid lawsuits, really. Why is, t- why is Fox still going after Tucker, Bill, if it's to avoid lawsuits? And dear God in heaven, of course, if anybody knows about massive lawsuits and settlements uh, in Fox News, it would have to be you to the tune of, what, $75 million for sexual harassment? Other than that, he's a great guy. Um, but anyway... But why is Fox News still going after Tucker if it's just about lawsuits? That's over. He's gone. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Why is Fox trying to destroy Tucker? I figured it out the Tuesday after he was fired. And I'm sticking by it, by the way. Sticking by it. You know, uh, uh, a couple years ago, I came up with an expression called don't catch the stupid. And uh, just because there's so much absurdity out there and anybody with a reasonable amount of common sense life experience should be able to, after doing a little research, figure out that uh, the, the, the things that they want us to believe are absurd. Do you believe that uh, Donald Trump would collude with Russia, with Russia to win an election when Hillary Clinton had already been bought and paid for? 
uh, to say that standing six feet from somebody versus five feet from somebody at a grocery store would save your life from the world's deadliest virus. Uh, I can go on and on. There's a lot to to say that, yeah, a four-year-old can decide to change gender. And I came up with the expression, don't catch the stupid, because uh, uh, it, it was worse than the, the COVID. If you, if you caught the stupid, it means that you are willing to do anything and be duped by anyone. And uh, Jim Gossett and I came up with this, and I want you to listen to everything in this, because everything in this is has either been disproven, meaning that uh, all of the things it mentioned in the song are really true, and that you've been lied to about it, and uh, at least if not all of them, most of them. So here it is, the Arizona and Corona. Lied about them both. All the lies about them they've been telling you. How did they win it? The freaking Senate. I don't know. When the votes that they received were very few. Don't catch the stupid, don't buy their BS That climate change is real, inflation's not Now it's fake Don't catch the stupid, don't believe them Because distraction and diversion's all they got We all know that Hurricane Ian was the result of global warming Russian collusion led to confusion January 6th is a smokescreen The new Green Deal is a disguise deal Like their mandate forcing you to take vaccine Don't catch the stupid, you just can't do it that in women's sports men should compete they're teaching sex ed in kindergarten their destructive policies we must defeat like wear a mask don't wear a mask statues have fallen it's so appalling to ignore hunter's laptop and his theft don't catch the stupid rejected nonsense everything is stupid on the And like I said, it just takes a little common sense, a little life experience, a little research, and you can figure it out. You don't even need to be a certified journalist. Geek, geek. I know, it's crazy, right? You'll have to excuse me for being so giddy. I, I, I just, you know, you, you know in your heart and you bring, you know, information to the fore and you're told uh, by social media that it's disinformation and all that. And you sit there and you're like, no, you know, honestly, it, it, it's right there if you just look. No, it's disinformation. But it's no, it's disinformation. Shut up or you'll lose your job and we'll kick you off social media. That's really what happened. And then, of course, uh, that's what happened to Tucker Carlson. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Now, it's kind of funny. Here's, here's what I said yesterday. This is Rob Schmidt last night, another brilliant monologue on Newsmax, talking about uh, the difference between Tucker Carlson being fired and the other firings that have happened in our media. Two weeks ago, two major names in cable news were fired on the same day, Tucker and CNN's Don Lemon. The staggering difference in impact between these two dismissals is astounding. At 8 p.m. on Fox, the ratings halved. And in the advertising coveted 25 to 54 demographic, it's far worse. A 75% decline without Tucker Carlson at 8 p.m. in the demo. Fox is in full panic mode, and that's why they're maliciously leaking, which is hurting them even more. Over at CNN, the loss of Don Lemon, who was reportedly making $7 million a year, huh. has had literally no impact whatsoever. What? I, I thought it would kill him. If you take a look at CNN this morning during the 7 a.m. hour, April 17th, Don Lemon's still on the air. The show was pulling 381,000 viewers. On April 24th, which would be Don's last day, the show pulled 394. And this past Monday, the Lemonless CNN show at 7 a.m. <laughs> pulled 384,000 viewers. Literally nothing 
has changed at CNN without Don Lemon. Yeah, there you go. And it's because Tucker Carlson was bigger than just being a host. Tucker Carlson was a truth teller. Tucker Carlson was talking about things nobody else was. Tucker Carlson got taken down by the Swamp and the Murdochs. That's what happened. On the way, I've got more on this. Also, some great audio from uh, from Megyn Kelly taking the gloves off. And your phone calls at 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. If you're down with trigger warnings, you might want to listen to something else. It's The Rob Carson Show. Well, what have we learned so far today? We know that the uh, FBI and CIA were uh, actively involved. They uh, created a, uh, a letter uh, saying that Hunter Biden's laptop was uh, disinformation, Russian disinformation, even though the FBI and the CIA knew it was real. And they uh, delivered it to uh, Joe Biden in time for a debate, and the media gobbled it up, just said, oh, yep, it's Russian disinformation, so it's no big deal. We also know that uh, that uh, the Aspen Institute hosted a hack-and-dump working group in the summer of 2020 and invited all the mainstream media there, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, and others. And they basically uh, got together and said, hey, man, be ready just in case of some uh, serious Russian disinformation. And they, uh, they got rid of the media, literally tossed its guiding principle since around 1971, the uh, Pentagon Papers principle, which said that uh, auth- uh, authentication alone is not... Uh, no, actually, it says uh, once information is authenticated. Here, here's the rule. Once information is authenticated, if it is newsworthy, publish it. And they abandoned it. And they abandoned it. The media did it. NPR even did it. Everybody did it. All the mainstream media did it. They just said, okay, sure, no problem, no problem, no problem. And then this, tech companies like Google, Meta, TikTok, Twitter, they've hired 250 employees from the federal law enforcement agencies like the CIA and the FBI. Isn't that funny? Yeah, 248 employees from the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, Department of uh, Homeland Security, DOJ, FBI. They all work for uh, Google. Google had 130 of the members of the CIA, DHS, DOJ, uh, FBI. Uh, Meta hired 47 of them. Chinese-owned TikTok has employed 25 former CIA, DHS, DOJ, or FBI employees. Welcome to the frick in Soviet Union, guys. That's where we are. That's where we are. And and if you think it's over, no, 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 no. There are other things happening. Do you think Tucker Carlson just got fired because of a lawsuit? <laughs> Did you, do you think that the most powerful voice on television for conservatism, anti-establishmentism, populism is gone for because he, uh, you know, uh, because of a, a, a lawsuit when they lost twice that much uh, twice as much as the settlement in one day with lost audience, do you suppose? That's what it's all about. It really is. It should be fairly obvious. At this point that you're being played, you are being played, or at least they think they're, they're playing you. Like, for instance, listen to this. This is Corinne Jean-Pierre. Right now we have, the, uh, we have an untenable border situation that is essentially uh, a treasonous act being happen- uh, happening against the American people. Uh, one of the guarantees of, uh, of our Constitution is that the federal government will protect our sovereignty. They will protect our citizenry. And they have abdicated that responsibility intentionally and allowed an illegal invasion the likes the mankind has never seen. 
Nine million people so far in two years coming across our southern border unabated, and they want to put the pedal to the metal when Title 42 is gone. And here is Corinne Jean-Pierre talking about after nine million people have come across, after tens of thousands of children have been sold to sex traffickers, uh, drug dealers and whatnot, after the drug lords have made billions of dollars, after fentanyl, the fentanyl crisis has taken hold of the 108,000 people dying of drug overdoses last year, 75, 75% because of fentanyl, all of this caused by the open southern border. This woman, Corinne Jean-Pierre, has the audacity to say this and think she can get away with it. I can't say what it's going to look like after, uh, after May 11th, but what I can say is that this is an administration that has taken the challenges that we see at the border very seriously since day one. Um, it's interesting because I uh, suggested to you that we all, uh, we all malign this madness. We all make fun of it. We poke up the absurdity of it and all this. And then I was watching last night, I was watching Eric Bowling. And did you know that uh, one of the big uh, rules for radicals that, uh, that uh, uh, Saul Alinsky said, is he, he says you need to shame people or, or you need to uh, uh, essentially make fun of them. That's one of the uh, the tools they've done, and they've tried it. They tried it with us. Like for if you didn't believe that the election was on the end up, what did they call you? Election denier, right? Isn't that kind of making fun of you? Isn't that kind of ridiculing you? Because that's what the left does. They ridicule, and then they hope you'll shut up. And if that doesn't work, they stick social media on you, and social media just takes down all of your thoughts. And then the mainstream media just ignores stories. It's, it's kind of crazy how that happens. And, and he's, here's even CNN. They're at the border and they're going, uh, what the hell is going on? This is CNN. It's difficult to describe, Jim, with words. So I want to walk so you can walk with me and just see the magnitude of the number of individuals. Do you know how many thousands of residents of border communities like El Paso are made? Their lives are being made a living hell. And our federal government do, doesn't give a damn about them. They don't give a damn about kids in inner cities that are being slaughtered and slaughtering one another. They don't care. They don't care about East Palestine, Ohio. That's in the dust, man. That is way gone. And they certainly don't care about the people who are being, I mean, their lives being destroyed by this southern border. ...who are around this church here just just streets from downtown El Paso. A lot of these individuals you'll see are males, adult males. A lot of the women with children are actually in shelters, in a network of shelters throughout El Paso. As you mentioned, the city of El Paso... Do you know how many rapes our government has uh, has essentially let happen because of this? Do you know how many people have died on the trail to the United States of America? So well that in parts of Central America, they say the buzzard population is booming because they're feasting on the bodies of illegal immigrants. Under a state of emergency, they declared a disaster uh, because of the influx, because they know that once Title 42 lifts, that there is going to be a greater influx of migrants. These are uh, abuses and usurpations that our founding fathers could never have even envisioned. They could have never even envisioned how badly this government would treat you and me. It is, uh, it is breathtaking to say the least. It is breathtaking to see the least. That's why Robert Kennedy Jr. Robert Kennedy Jr. says, you know what we need? We need a new American revolution. Robert Kennedy Jr. Here he is. Here he is saying what I've been saying for a couple of years now. We need an American revolution. We need a revolution. I would say that, but a, a peaceful revolution. Yes. And a revolution that, um, you know, that 
uh, brings us back to our the values that have been robbed from us you know, over the past 40 years systematically through, you know, uh, and that I watched happen. I mean, I was watching what happened in 1980. And we had a functioning government there, and we were in the middle of the great prosperity, and we had, you know, most Americans trusted the government. And, Ronald Reagan was president. And, um, and we all trusted the media. And today, 22% of people, Americans trust their government, 22% trust the media. And the reason we have all this mis- blizzard of misinformation, what the, is called misinformation, is because people are looking for other sources of information that they can actually trust. Cause- and that's why they fired Tucker Carlson. <laughs> you see you see what I did there? Yeah, it should uh, it should be fairly obvious. Uh, uh, last night, by the way, uh, Newsmax featured some great audio, uh, some great guests talking about Tucker Carlson's firing, why it happened and whatnot. Uh, here is uh, Megyn Kelly talking about why Tucker Carlson was dismissed. He still has a very massive audience, so he has to be destroyed, you see. Otherwise, somebody could employ him. But Bill O'Reilly said that they fired Tucker Carlson because of pending lawsuits. Why would they keep going after him after he was fired? His audience is mad. We have to make the audience see. We fired Bill O'Reilly because he had paid $69 million in sexual harassment settlements. You have to understand that, audience. This is absurd. Okay, this is absurd. This is a destruction campaign, and the media is going along with it without, without one thought for how they're participating in what is an internal work dispute, allowing themselves to be used as tools of Irina Briganti, who runs the Fox evil communications department, and her bosses, who are clearly allowing all of this. Yeah, and you know what? I was uh, I was not completely down with, <clears throat> you know, uh, punishing Fox News because there are a lot of good people who work there. You know, uh, uh, there's uh, Greg uh, Gutfeld. I like that, and uh, and I like Ty. Uh, uh, I like Cat uh, Temp, you know, and and the guys on uh, on Greg's show. I, I even went and sat in the audience, and then I realized how dastardly and how awful the ownership of Fox News is. It really is. It really, really is. It's um, we just can't uh, we can't support institutions like this. I mean, you can, you do it if you want to. I don't care. I'm not going to have anything to do with it anymore. I'm not watching them anymore. Screw them. Uh, if they could do this to Tucker Carlson after he leaves, if they could abuse truth like this, uh, then then I want nothing to do with the damned operation, honestly, because they led you to believe that you'd you'd be able to, you know, you could you could trust them. They led you to believe that. Same way with uh, Facebook and Twitter. You you signed up for Facebook and Twitter, and you thought, you know, originally Facebook was just a place you could put pictures of your feet on the end of a lawn chair, and you could reconnect with, uh, you know, high school friends and all that, and then. Uh, then we find out that Facebook actually was invented and really created to get uh, Barack Obama elected. I know that sounds kind of funny and kind of out there, but it's absolutely true. Uh, here is Ben Smith. Uh, he wrote for, uh, I believe it's, uh, I'll have to look it up. Anyway, he was on uh, talking about, uh, uh, he was on talking about why Facebook was created. I think the thing that surprised me most was going back and seeing that there was this, you know, this early internet scene where, um, to some degree, the explicit goal was to elect Barack Obama. For the Huffington Post, that was part of the point, you know, and and it felt, and everyone just took for granted in that world that these were young, these were college kids, young people, newly on the internet, they were Democrats. Barack Obama visited Facebook. It was sort of went without saying that Facebook was like a. Ben Smith wrote for the New York Times and BuzzFeed. Democratic institution, Um, and but when you look back, you know, and, and. and I think everybody thought, well, the, the, the high point of this whole world, this whole new digital world, is the election of Barack Obama. And, you know, in fact, look back, and the high point, the crowning achievement of this sort of new social media world is the election of Donald, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yes, because Donald Trump out of nowhere 
got 83 million followers on Twitter. And he was able to share his messaging on Twitter. And then Twitter decided to kill his account. And kill his, and that Facebook decided to kill his account. And that's when Twitter really made the, uh, the leftward turn into being the propaganda machine, working literally hand-in-hand with the CIA and the FBI to uh, shut down news stories like Hunter Biden's laptop. It really is. Um, it, we live in extraordinary times. I'm really, really glad that uh, these times have brought us together. Uh, on this platform because at least we can expose it. It is, uh, it is absolutely remarkable. Um, we heard uh, Megyn Kelly talking about uh, Fox News. Last night, Hogan Gidley was on. He used to be a spokesperson for Donald Trump. Uh, he talked about um, uh, Fox News and Tucker's uh, firing and what Megyn Kelly had to say about it. We know that these 3 million-plus viewers every night are tethered to Tucker. What can we do to separate that relationship? What can we do to tarnish Tucker to make it impossible for those three million people to go anywhere else and stay right home at Fox News. I mean, you two wonderful anchors obviously have a big portion of the... This is why Fox is trying to destroy him after he's out of the building. Newsmax uh, followers who just watched this for y'all. So it makes sense that the higher-ups understand that. And they know that viewers really do feel like they build relationships with hosts. Now remember so when I, someone is trying to systematically You remember what I said uh, connection is as important as content. When I when I get on the air every day, you know, a lot of people are going to be talking about some of the same stuff, but the reason you listen is the connection you have with me, I hope anyway. I hope you can connect with me. Also the comedy and whatnot, but you do connect with hosts. And because of Tucker's connection with his audience, uh, A, they had to get rid of him, and B, they have to destroy him. In those relationships and remember these leaks are all going kind of to the same entities, and Devin hit on another good point. Who has these tapes, and who benefits from them getting out there? Those are the two questions, I think, that once answered, you'll know the truth. Absolutely. And you know what? It ain't going to work. He's just going to get bigger, just like Donald Trump. Huh. My name's Tucker Carlson, and you got to know. Weird. I am going elsewhere and get a new show. To my former colleagues, I have a tip. Jim Gossett. Jump that sinking ship. Cause stupid to fire me. Worst move in history. 75%. Fox News is headed in the tank. It's money in the bank. Tucker was number one. He was. Time slot, I always won. Fox News, you're gonna pay real soon. I have two words for Rupert Murdoch, and they are not thank you. Uh. Look what Fox has become. Left wing and really dumb. <laughs> Paul Ryan doesn't have a clue. Bye-bye. The Murdoch brothers do. Stupid, that is Fox News. Big time, they're gonna lose. They'll rue the day that they can by the way, be. By the way. Newsmax, our uh, ratings on Newsmax have gone through the ceiling. This weekend, my TV show, Rob Carson's What in the World, is, I mean, out of this world. Funny, great commentary. Chris Plant's got a new show, The Right Squad, coming uh, Monday, May the 8th at 9 o'clock. And if you want Tucker back on, vote in our poll. Text EVENT to 39747. That's EVENT to 39747. Let's take a break and come back. This is The Rob Carson Show. Driving snowflakes and candy aisle kids crazier every day. It's the Rob Carson Show. Ah! 
It is the Rob Carson Show. We've got a lot of stuff to uh, get to. Thus far, we've kind of been talking about uh, how you've been lied to for the last few years and how uh, we are... I can't say what it's going to look like after... Uh, after That's Corinne Jean-Pierre. She kind of just uh, popped up out of nowhere, which is uh, what she is wont to do. Uh, talking about the border, I thought that was uh, the latest. She said that 90% of the border crossings May were 11th, solved. But what I can say but is listen, that... But listen, she, the other day she said 90% of the uh, the border crossing was uh, was not happening, it, it, that Joe Biden's policies had stopped it, and he was called, she was called out by uh, by uh, Peter Ducey. So that was a mm, giant lie. Then this, yesterday. I, I can't say what it's going to look like after... Uh, after May 11th, but what I can say is that this is an administration that has taken the challenges that we see at the border very seriously since day one. You know, uh, it's just, it's insulting to you and me, and I'm just not gonna, I'm done. The gloves are off. The gloves are off, baby! They should be off with you. We're tired of the abuses, the usurpations. It's time to fight back. Oh, by the way, Tucker um, is interested in moderating a presidential debate, and this would be uh, a Republican debate. This would be the best product launch ever. <laughs> this would be huge. This would be huge. And and I don't, Tucker's not a Trump guy, right? But he did in his last interview with Trump, he said, this guy's a reasonable man. He's got some great policy, da-da-da-da-da. But before that, he was anti-Trumper. So this would be a good debate. It wouldn't be, oh, kissing Trump's butt, you know, while ignoring everybody else. Oh, it'd be epic. It would, it would be the, the nail in the casket for uh, for Fox News, essentially, as a conservative brand. Uh, let's go to Doug and Glenn Bernie, Maryland. Hello, Doug. Welcome to the show. What's going on, bro? How you doing, Rob? Nice show. Uh, look, I'm tired of being lied to. I'm one of those citizens that want to be deputized and hop into my truck and go to the border. As a U.S. citizen, it is my right to protect myself and my country. And that being said, we had one great president, that actually did the roundup, and that was Dwight Eisenhower, and yeah. sent them all back over the border. Yeah, and you know what I've said, Doug, is uh, is we need to not only just tell Mexico the border is sealed next week or we end all trade and travel with you, it's over. Then we send in special forces if necessary. Otherwise, we could work on uh, on uh, geosynchronous satellites to uh, paint targets um, and uh, and destroy them. Use, uh, use whatever mo- means necessary to destroy the manufacturing facilities uh, of the drug lords uh, to take out even government offices that have been uh, infected and operated by the uh, by the drug cartel mafia, uh, and uh, and that's what I think we should do. Uh, effectively declare war on the uh, the drug lords and tell Mexico they turn their stuff around, they shut out this border, or it's over for them. They're not the going to be the men themselves have to defend our country because we are not. Our government is not defending us. We have to end up doing something ourselves. I know, bro. I, I feel yeah, I'm, I'm working for a solution myself. All right. I want to be deputized to go to the border. I know, bro. I understand. Let's go to Bob real quick. Bob in Parkville. Bob, you got about 40 seconds. Go ahead. I'll make it quick. Uh, yeah. It's, it's bummer that they got in the White House right now, and that's what he is. His main job, any president, is to protect the citizens of the United States. So what does he do? He sends 1,500 bookkeepers down there at the, at the border and... The 11th of this month, they're supposed to have 700,000 of them. I know. Fashion those fences if necessary, and you're going to see what's going to happen. That's almost a million people at one time. And how are we going to stop them with 1,500 pencil pushers? I know, brother. Bob, I got to run, man. I appreciate your phone call, and thank you for, thank guys, thank you for paying attention. We're going to stop this. It's going to, 
It's just a matter of how much damage they can do in the meantime. Let's take a break and come back. This is the Rob Carson Show. This is the Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. Hello and welcome to hour number three. All right. So what did we learn today? Well, we've learned that Mike Morrell was a former acting CIA director, and he worked with Tony Blinken, who was working for the Biden campaign, and John Brennan, who used to be a you know CIA director, and they all came up with a, a letter, or at least uh, Mike Morrell came up with a letter from 51 former intelligence officials saying that Joe Biden's son's laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop, was Russian disinformation. Even though the FBI had it in February of 2020, and they knew it was real. But they went ahead and ignored that and got the uh, intel letter, and they delivered it just in time for Joe Biden and, uh, and Donald Trump's debate. And uh, Donald Trump brought up the reality that, that uh, Hunter Biden's laptop was real. And Joe Biden said, nope, 51 intelligence agents said it's disinformation. And the media went along with it, and they shut down the story just in time for the 2020 election. Now, if that isn't election interference, I don't know what is. Uh, And if you have ever been told that what you say is uh, disinformation or misinformation, when you had questions about the the election or you had questions about Hunter Biden's laptop or you had questions about COVID protocol or you had questions about CRT and transgender radicalism being taught in schools and people yelled at you and said, shut up, that's disinformation. Here's an idea. Don't say anything. There's just a there's a an expression that you can do that involves one hand and one finger. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. Oh, yeah. And then also, well, what did we find out the other day? We found out that uh, it looks like uh, the FBI was involved in covering up what is uh, apparently a criminal bribery scheme going on when Joe Biden was the vice president. An FBI agent, a, uh, the whistleblower, said, oh, yeah, yeah, there was, uh, there was an arrangement uh, of an exchange of money for policy decisions between now President Joe Biden and a foreign national. I know it comes as a big surprise. That was during Barack Obama's time in office. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, what has happened since then, hundreds of... Uh, uh, blips on their uh, banking records have shown that they were getting all sorts of money for selling influence to our enemies. It's just kind of uh, kind of crazy. What else did we learn today? Well, we learned that the White House is not serious about AI. Artificial intelligence could be the end of humanity as we know it once it becomes uh, uh, once it becomes sentient, once it realizes that it is. Wasn't it Sartre that said, "I think, therefore, I am." Yeah, I know, I know this. It's it's one of the things that I know. I think, therefore, I am. That's when you realize, oh. Right? When you look in the mirror and you go, oh, that's me. I do it every day and I'm like, oh, that's me. But anyway, and then once it does that, it'll realize it's so much smarter than uh, than, a, than than humans and it'll essentially be a, uh, a war between chimps and humans. We'll be the chimps, though. <laughs> that's according to uh, deep AI founder Kevin Baragona. So uh, who did they put in charge of uh, AI, this, this uh, existential threat to humanity? Kamala Harris. <laughs> Kamala Harris. Oh, my God in heaven. Oh, it's, just, it's just, honestly, uh, some of these people are just too stupid to live. 
really, 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 really too stupid to live. But but fortunately, we're finding out this stuff, and and hopefully, you know, even if we we may not have a concrete solution. Uh, you know, we all say, well, you get out and vote. Now we know that the vote is, I mean, really, questionable unless somebody does something about it. It's, it's a joke. Our, our, our election system is a joke. What I just said right there, show our election system is a joke. If you think that they, oh, there's a chance they could steal 2024. I hate to tell you this. Yeah. And, and Arizona, <laughs> we got to a point where the Secretary of State of a state can run can, can uh, not recuse herself from the election, even though she's in charge of the elections, was told to fix the election problems. There were two board members on the Maricopa County Board of Elections who were actively raising money to fight Carrie Lake's campaign and campaigns like hers. And then on election day, the day that you and I said, you know, we know that Democrats cheat. We saw it in 2020. We saw it in 2016. So the day of the election, good, uh, uh, freedom-loving Americans said, I'm waiting until election day so my vote counts. And they went into the polling places in Maricopa County, and 65% of the machines didn't work. And we're supposed to accept Katie Hobbs as the legitimate governor of Arizona. Screw that. And when you've got a crooked media and a crooked judiciary and a crooked Justice Department, what does it mean? You're a slave. You are a slave. Your vote means nothing. You have no say in Green New Deal energy nonsense. You have no say in any bank bailouts. You have no say in in an undeclared hot war with Russia. You got no say. That's the country we live in today. Are you happy living there? Do you like living here? Do you like, well, I I ain't going anywhere. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm done with all of this crap. You should be, too. This is something that last year, I remember this, this was a speech uh, delivered during a Trump rally last year. And and I remember hearing this. I thought this is one of the best speeches, uh, stump speeches that I had ever had. Harriet Hegeman, who ran against Liz Cheney, who should be wildly popular because she tried to take down the corrupt Donald Trump with the January 6th committee. That was surely going to show that Donald Trump, Trump uh, started an insurrection to overthrow the country, Right. Turned out it was a kangaroo court joke like the uh, the Proud Boys uh, trial court in Washington, D.C. And Harriet Hegeman ended up beating Liz Cheney, that popular figure, the historical figure who was, who was uh, primed to expose the greatest election fraud in the history of mankind and the, and the greatest insurrection since, since uh, the War of 19 or 1812 and the whole deal. And Harriet Hegeman ended up beating Liz Cheney by 40 points. And maybe it's because of this speech. We're fed up with the Green New Deal and the socialists who created it. We're fed up with the attacks on our fossil fuel and energy industries. We're fed up with an open border. We're fed up with human trafficking. We're fed up with fentanyl flooding our country. And we're fed up with illegal immigration. And what changed after the midterms? Nothing. We're fed up with boys competing in girls' sports. We're fed up with... We're fed up with 
at the liberal media, Twitter, Facebook, Google, and YouTube for blocking conservative speech. We're fed up with our government and universities censoring conservative thought, canceling debate, and rewriting history. We're fed up with the corruption in the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the CIA, the NSA, and the FISA Court. Are you still fed up? I am. We're fed up with mask mandates, vaccine mandates. The CDC, the NIH, the WHO. The CDC director just turned in her resignation today. And the misinformation campaign surrounding COVID-19. And we're fed up with Anthony Fauci. And he retired. Politicians and the elitists in D.C. who are getting rich while the middle class falls further behind every year. We're fed up with Joe Biden, with Nancy Pelosi. We're fed up with the January 6th Commission and those people who think that they can gaslight us. And we're fed up with Liz Cheney. And Liz Taney got destroyed by Harriet Hagman by 40 points. Isn't that amazing what happens? It's kind of funny. You know else we're tired of? Now, remember I, I came up with the expression candy aisle kids? Maybe I, I haven't said that enough, but candy aisle kids is, uh, is a, a generation that came after Generation X. I'm a Generation X. You're old! No, you know, I'm Generation X. Okay, I'm in my 50s, you know. Uh, Generation X, what, 45 to 58, whatever the hell. Um, and and uh, uh, we were the last generation with skin, knees, and sunburn, and no cell phones, and three channels on TV, and no video games. I could go on and on and on, and on and on and on and on and on. And, uh, and uh, uh, we, when we were kids, uh, this is a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Yeah, metaphor. Meaning, don't take it literally but it applies, the principle applies to almost everything right now. So when we were little kids, we were in the shopping cart before the shopping carts were a mile long with custom seats and safety belts and the whole deal. You'd, you'd go into the, the, the checkout line, and every one of the checkout lines had candy. And uh, what would happen is if your mom was there and you wanted a Snicker bar or whatever, you'd say, I want a Snicker bar. And your mom would say, no, you're not getting a Snicker bar. And you'd go, I want a Snicker bar. And she'd say, if you say another word, yeah, you're not going to get a Snicker bar, and we're going to have a little uh, talking when we get to the car. And you said, okay, no problem. Ah. And then the next generation came along. You've been to the grocery store recently in the last 20 years. you got kids who, if they don't get what they want, they'll pitch a fit, lay down on the floor, scream and cry, and mom's sitting there going, whatever you want, I'll take care of it, I'll do whatever you want. And we've been doing that ever since. And so if somebody doesn't want a speaker on campus that they disagree with, then they just pitch a fit. They just go and they camp out of the quad. You know, like they did at the University of Missouri years ago, Black Lives Matter. And then the, the professor said, well, you can't ask these kids questions. They're candy aisle kids. And, and oh, oh, and, and they, they, uh, they will scream loud and they will scream hard about anything. And if they don't get what they want, like, for instance, in the, uh, uh, the Tennessee legislature, if, if they don't get the legislation they want, they'll throw a temper tantrum uh, and they'll bring people in to disrupt the, uh, the uh, event. Tried it in Texas the other day, too. Didn't work so well because the uh, Texas police didn't, uh, didn't handle them so well. But here's an example. This is, uh, this is uh, an example. Uh, Leah McGeever is her name, and she is a trans activist. And uh, San Francisco Board of Supervisors meeting to send it into chaos because she decided to, you know, be a candy aisle kid. 
and scream in an effort to protest the death of Banco Brown, a black member of the transgender community who was shot and killed after trying to steal from a local Walgreens. And, uh, and Leah McGeever did literally what I've been saying. She threw a temper tantrum in front of the Board of Supervisors. Now, this may work in San Francisco. I'm not sure if it has, but it wouldn't work where I live. They'd say, uh, haul that woman out of here, or that whatever the hell she is, out of here. But I want you to listen to this. This is a child throwing a temper tantrum, uh, expecting the, uh, the people in charge to do what she says, uh, candy aisle children, and and uh, right now the Democrat Party and Democrat uh, bastions uh, like San Francisco and Portland, they've been listed into the candy aisle kids for a couple years, doing what they say, capitulating to their every demand. Oh, you want a Chaz Joan? That's Chaz Joan Zone. That's cool. You want to steal a thousand dollars worth of stuff from Walgreens? That's cool. And look what happened to those cities. I give you, ladies and gentlemen, Leah McGeever. <laughs> Don't you wish somebody would have said, Leah, you shut your mouth or I'm going to give you a little what fur when we get in the car. I hate what you've done to us. I hate what you're doing to us. I hate you, board of supervisors. And I'm going to kill myself unless you let me change genders. I hate you, London Breed. I hate you, Jenkins. My brother uh, used to do this. When he was alive, when, well, of course, he'd have to do it in his life. But he'd do this. He, he wouldn't get what he wanted. He'd scream, I hate you, Mom and Dad. I'd hate you, this and that. He'd go down and he'd wreck his room. Completely wreck his room. Kind of like what they did in the summer of 2020 uh, with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. It was a massive temper tantrum. It was. It was just like that. And then what would happen is, after the temper tantrum, he'd have to lay in the mess he made. And that's what happened in Democrat cities. They let them have the mess, throw the temper tantrum, and now they're suffering. See how that works? Let's take a break and come back. This is The Rob Carson Show. Bulldoze the swamp, pave it over, and start again. It's The Rob Carson Show. I hate this! I hate what you've done to us! I hate what you're doing to us! I hate you, Board of Supervisors! I Now, how is that different from a child throwing a temper tantrum in what, in what sort of way? Uh, anybody have a sibling like that who'd do that? My wife, does. She had a, her sibling grew out of it, fortunately, but, but had that. And, and what ultimately it took was one day, Dad saying, uh, uh, going into a room and shutting the door. And uh, we don't even know what happened after that, but uh, when he left the room, she was sitting there going, <laughs> and she never did it again. So that is uh, Leah McGeever. Uh, she's, I hate you, I hate you. I'm going to scream until I get my way. I, I have mentioned this uh, months ago. Victor Davis Hanson, who's uh, just a, a supreme intellect. And, uh, and I had, you know, introduced the idea of the candy owl kid 
and uh, just through my own observations, it was clear to me that uh, they were. This was what was happening in the country. And here was what Victor Davis Hanson uh, uh, brought up. And I also brought up the fact that I said that we are kind of essentially in a tale of two cities. And I came up with this about 15 years ago. Uh, we have a bourgeois. We have a proletariat. You and I are the proletariat. Uh, the bourgeois goes to Washington D.C., spends its entire life. People go there and they spend their whole lives telling us how to live ours. When they get out of government, they get the pipeline to uh, big tech or to uh, to uh, uh, a big defense or to big pharma, and and they're just an incestuous relationship. That's why seven out of the ten richest counties in America surround Washington D.C. because they don't make anything there. They just take your money and my money and they parse it out to their friends while ignoring America's inner cities, uh, places like East Palestine, Ohio. I can go on and on. And they never fix anything that you and I have to work with. They never fix the banking system. They never fix the infrastructure. They never fix Social Security. They never forget. Uh, they never fix uh, Medicare. They never forget. They never fix anything. They haven't fixed health care. They said they were going to do that when Barack Obama was the president. They don't fix anything. But here is Victor Davis Hanson basically saying what I've said about what's going on in our country. The left is a revolutionary, it's like the French revolutionary Jacobin movement. They don't trust any customs, they don't honor any laws. Everything is fluid and it's legal only to the extent that it's useful. So the 180-year filibuster that they used to treasure as a minority party in the Senate, it's, they want to get rid of it. The 150-person, uh, the 150-year nine-person Supreme Court, get rid of it. It's no longer useful. They can't have a Republican justice flip as they did from Warren to David Souter easily anymore. So the, the, like adolescents, they're angry. 50-state union we've had for 60 years, bring in two more states to get senators. Same thing with a national voting law to override the constitutional prerogative of each state to set yeah. you know, balloting laws. Yeah, and then yeah. we have the 200 and, well, 32-year-old electoral college, once the blue wall fell, like little kids, they got angry and said, get rid of it. Ah. So the, the common denominator is all of this is they look at the law as what's useful for the moment yep. for a progressive agenda. And when that is no longer true, then they try to destroy the institution. That's and what that's they're what trying. they're doing. Yeah, that's what and they're it, trying it, to do. It's incumbent on everybody to call them out for what they are. Absolutely. Just say no. Hey, did you guys know it's uh, Cinco de Mayo? Here's our official Border theme song from Jim Gossett. Down in the West Texas town of El Paso, Biden blew our southern border by plan. Absolutely. Joe won't go down there and deal with the crisis, cause he's a dunce and a senile old man. I guess Alejandro's going there today. The border's exploding cause Biden's done nothing, taking the week off hit in Delaware. He does it every weekend. People are suffering as laws are broken. Joe won't address it cause he doesn't care. Not one little bit. Even the mayor who's a Democrat, he's really hacked up at Joe. Who won't lift a finger, he lets chaos linger. 6,000 a day cross the border, they go. There you go. More than that coming up. Trump's 42 is... There you go. So that is uh, what's going on. It is, uh, by the way, Cinco de Mayo today. Yesterday was May the 4th be with you, and tomorrow was Revenge of the 6th. I made up that, actually. Last hour of the show, half hour of the show coming up. I wouldn't go anywhere if I were you.
don't like his opinion, see the First Amendment and get back to us. It's the Rob Carson Show. We have covered a lot of uh, ground today with regard to uh, abuses and usurpations by our federal government and our mainstream media and big social media. Uh, one constant target of the left is our Second Amendment. They've effectively destroyed the First Amendment, uh, at least for a while, until uh, the last year when uh, some things happened, like uh, Elon Musk purchased Twitter. But they're still coming after the Second Amendment. There was a shooting uh, a day before yesterday that involved a handgun, and our brilliant, uh, by the way, artificial intelligence czar, Kamala Harris, even though it involved a pistol, immediately called for a ban on assault weapons, which shows why she's, I guess, the artificial intelligence czar. But on the phone joins us uh, Amanda Suffolk. She is a Second Amendment advocate, the host of Eyes on the Target radio show, and she's on the Newsmax hotline. Hello and happy Friday to you, Amanda. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely glad to have you on. So I want to ask a, a couple of things here. Um, with regard to the assault on the Second Amendment, it, it, it appears that with uh, with Republicans in control of uh, of the uh, the House of Representatives, that really meaningful uh, overhaul of the Second Amendment, like the like the Democrats would like, appears to have may have been uh, I guess staved off for a while. Uh, what what do you see going on in the country as far as the dynamic Democrats trying to kill the Second Amendment? Uh, has it been stalled ever so slightly? Uh, should we opt be optimistic about it? What what are, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that after the Heller decision that came out in 2008, this Bruin decision that came out last year in 2022 is the biggest thing that has impacted the Second Amendment. And it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. And so no matter where the left keeps trying to add gun laws in this city or that state or this municipality, um, they're getting their pants sued off. And when they do, they're losing. And so uh, you look at it to where they just keep trying to pass more laws, and then the laws keep coming, going down, being taken down. So I look at it like the alligator death rule where there's a lot of thrashing and frothing and all of that, but they're not winning. <laughs> the alligator death rule. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. You know, Amanda, I like to use the analogy the Democrats die like movie vampires uh, because they're always scratching and clawing and trying to drag people into the pits of hell as they get defeated. That's what Democrats do. And so the alligator death rule is, is right in there. <laughs> It's fantastic. So um, uh, it's interesting to me, and I love your thoughts. Uh, clearly, the reason why the Democrat Party goes after assault weapons, what they call assault, is because they see a style of gun that is used in the military, and they don't want Americans to have that sort of weapon, which is the reason why the First Amendment or the Second Amendment exists. We were made to have weapons of war because we just got out of uh, a, 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 a revolutionary war where we were able to defeat the most powerful military in the world using a self-armed militia of citizens. And and don't you suppose after winning that war, they, when they created the the uh, the uh, the Bill of Rights, that the Second Amendment was not created after all we've been through for target practice and turkey hunting, right? Right. Even though they keep rolling out sporting purpose, nowhere in the twenty-seven words that is the Second Amendment does it say sporting purpose. Nowhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's it's utterly ridiculous on the face of it, and and so clearly they want to uh, they want to disarm those who could defend themselves against enemies foreign and domestic, while completely ignoring the lion's share of violence, which is handguns in America's inner cities uh, and in and in uh, Democrat bastions around the country. They don't give a damn about the lives that are lost in that gun violence. All they care about is the people, the, the 1% of, uh, of, of, of uh, murders that occur with, with, uh, with uh, rifles and the even fewer number that occur with uh, so-called assault weapons. Why, why the disconnect? Why don't they care about people dying by handguns? Well, because I think that what they're doing is it's divide their words or their their view is divide and conquer. And so if they can select something and say you can't have it, and then they select something else and say you can't have it. I like mean, guess so, you really, <laughs> so you start to look at it. I mean, yeah. in 1934, they took away our machine guns. 1986, they said you couldn't make any more machine guns. You know, so they started to permit them first and license them and tax them and and then, you know, and then they pick out another thing. And in the 70s, they went after Saturday night specials. And now now they've gone after, you know, the awful-looking, ugly, black rifles that are so scary. And <laughs> it's really just, it's optics. Because if you show them a, a, a gun with black furniture versus wood furniture, they're like, that one is the offender, and this one's just fine. And it's, well, it's, like, be- it's the same darn gun. With, yeah. with different furniture on it. Well, it's because they're they're ignorant. Uh, they're children, um, and uh, and they throw a temper tantrum and think you're going to uh, capitulate. But they keep forgetting we're the ones with the guns. Um, it's kind of funny. I I decided just for bleeps and giggles to buy a uh, uh, an airsoft rifle that looks like. Uh, uh, an assault rifle. It's it's a desert tan. Uh, you know, it's got the orange cap on the end of it. And and members of my family went bat guano crazy because they've been so brainwashed into thinking that this is a weapon of war. Uh, because school shootings, ha- it's remarkable. But but they've been, they've been very good at brainwashing people into thinking guns bad, haven't they? Well, they really are, and so they're, they're, they're sitting there looking at it, trying to say that all guns are bad. And then, you know, so, so there's a, there's a, I run with this group of women that all defend the Second Amendment, and it throws the liberals for a loop because they cannot categorize us as big, bearded, burly guys who, you know, just want to shoot things. And so they're professional women who are very well-spoken and, defend the Second Amendment because we realize that it levels the playing field against somebody wanting to hurt us. The bad guy is bigger, stronger, and faster than we are. And on the other hand, the gun that we select for, for carrying is, is the tool that levels the playing field. And then we work on the training that we get with it so that we're proficient and we're good with it and we're safe with it. And yeah. so we can protect ourselves and our family. You also did a uh, a concealed carry fashion show for armed women of America that got a little bit <laughs> it's got a little bit of press buzz. Why don't you tell us about that and the reaction to it? Well, I've this is this is kind of a thing that I have been doing around the country, and um, so so this week we're at in Illinois doing a fashion concealed carry fashion show, and the tagline is we show you what you can't see. The crazy, funny, odd thing is that people are like, you carry a gun? And it's like, pretty much every day. Yeah. And, well, I never noticed. 
that's the purpose of the Webster definition of concealment, is for you not to notice. And so we show folks how they can carry with good quality gear in a safe manner to be able to access it when they need it and for it not to be in their way the rest of the time. And they're extremely popular, absolutely extremely popular. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a Dylan Mulvaney uh, 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 fashion show, uh, show you what you can't see, you know, but, but a little bit different. Yeah, you may be able to see something there if you really want it. I'm seeing a little bump, and I don't think it's a gun. Um, let me ask you this, because I, I live in a uh, an open carry state, okay. mm-hmm. and I, I live in the Kansas side of Kansas City, and I used to have to work at a car dealership. People come in open carry. They have, they have a, One guy had a six-shooter kind of on his, and I never felt threatened by it, because whenever I see somebody carrying a gun like that who's not carrying it sideways, acting like a thug, uh, I look at that person as somebody who could save me in a situation if somebody decided to come in the building um and you know and that's why we don't have any smash and grab robberies and that's why we don't have our our shampoo locked up behind a glass wall at walgreens it's amazing how that happens but for those of you who uh, you know for those who are thinking about maybe maybe i want to do concealed carry just to protect Mm -hmm. myself because think about how crazy society's gotten i don't think it's out of the question for anybody to say i kind of want to lean toward having a concealed carry uh in in case something like whatever happens, you know, in New York or what to me, um, help help people kind of allay their fears about concealed carry and, and what it means for responsible gun owners. So what it means for uh, my home state is Ohio. And what it means in Ohio, we'll just go one in 14 adults has a concealed carry license. You know, and you don't see rootin' tootin' shoot 'em ups everywhere because somebody went crazy with their concealed carry. They are card-carrying good guys. So if you want to carry concealed, there's a responsibility that goes with it. So you need to get your license. You need to pick good gear. You need to get training. And then you need to perpetuate that training so that you stay up on it. Because what you don't want to do is you buy a gun, get six bullets, put it there, and set it aside. You've got to think about this like your driver's license. If you just went through driver's ad, got your license for your car, and then you bought the car, you parked it, you never did anything with that car until there was an emergency and you needed to get somebody to the hospital, how successful would you be? So you practice, you hone the skill, you do it often, you get used to it, and then then it is just a common thing that you're prepared should you need to. You know what to do, you don't panic, you're not all freaked out, and you're prepared should push come to shove. And it raises your level of awareness to the point where when you see something that looks off, you leave. Yes, exactly, 100%. You don't need to stay in a fight. No. Um, Just the the other day, there was a video that came out of a girl walking into a grocery store with an axe. Did you see that one? Not see that one. So she walks in with an axe, and she kind of looks a little off, and obviously she's carrying an axe. The guy inside the door sees her, sees she's off, identifies that moves around the other side of the store, and he never leaves. She works her way around the store. She comes up to the counter, and she slashes him. She slashes the the clerk on the other side of the counter, both with her axe. And it was like the, the first guy saw it, saw it was off, didn't like the looks of it, moved his position, and then promptly forgot about it. Unbelievable. That's I- what you don't do. 
No, I had this happen years ago. I was in a grocery store and I saw this guy walk in, and and I he looked suspicious. I knew this. I worked at a convenience store, a truck stop, when I was in college, so I could tell when a thief. I just I saw the behavior. <laughs> this guy walked in, went down to the video display, and started stuffing DVDs in his pants. And I immediately went up to the store manager. And what happened was this: he locked the outside door. This guy walked between the two panes, the inside door and the outside door. Got to the outside door, smacked up against the door. The store manager locked the inside door, so he was stuck between the panes of glass before the police got there. And uh, and we're seeing a lot of this brazen brazen thievery, uh, and and I think people are done with it. But that that's an important part of concealed carry: learning situational awareness, learning mm-hmm. how to be able to s- respond. It's not like you're getting a gun. Okay, I got a gun now. You've got to be trained in how to use it because that gun is is can be far more dangerous than even the car you're driving. And the car you drive, we all know what happens. What can happen if you don't drive responsibly? There is a responsibility associated with it, and there's a spot where you need to continue to, to hone that skill. And I think that's what the left misses all the time when they're like, oh, well, you know, you just got a gun and you're, gonna, you're, you're running around and you just want to, you know, harm something or do something. And it's like, no, 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 we go to the range, we practice, we hone our skills, we get good at it because we know that when it goes from sugar to something else, that it may be on us to save ourselves and to save our family. Amanda, I want to. I want to. Amanda Suffolk, I want to thank you for joining me on the show today. You've got this uh, uh, eye on the target radio show. I believe you're also on Twitter at Realizer Radio. Not, uh, Realizer Radio on Twitter. Yeah, Realize Radio on Twitter, and yeah. um, it's eye on the target and we're on Opsland TV. And hopefully, I'll be back on Newsmax. Heck yeah. All right, Amanda, have a glorious weekend. God bless, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Donald Trump says he's the funniest man on TV. Just wait till he hears him on the radio. It's The Rob Carson Show. You know, I've gone the entire week, and I've not played this uh, latest offering from, uh, from my buddy Jim Gossett. If you want to help out Jim Gossett. Uh, just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Look up Jim Gossett Comedy. Uh, we collaborate on a lot of stuff. A lot of the stuff on this show he does uh, autonomously. He's a freaking brilliant guy. Uh, I worked for many years for Rush Limbaugh. We had somebody we worked with there who was very talented. Uh, Jim Gossett is, uh, I think, the best. I think, and, and I'm just speaking from somebody who's been writing political satire since 1990, uh, I would venture to say that Jim Gossett is the best, the best in the business. This is about Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light. Dylan Mulvaney has cost Bud Light whole lots of dough. They can't even sell it at ball games anymore. Lost 26% wonder how low can they go. Fox is like, you only lost 26%. Well, what? 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 They're paying the price for their stupid marketing plan. (laughs) Hired a woman everyone knows is a man. He's a tucker. Yeah. Dylan's a woman that everyone knows is a man. Fox got rid of their tucker, too. Bud Light drinkers decided that they'd take a stand. That's funny. Yeah. This bonehead decision has ruined a popular brand. Indeed. 
That's kind of interesting, isn't it? So Bud Light and Fox News, in the uh, the same uh, span of time, both got rid of their Tuckers. Isn't that interesting? That's kind of interesting. <laughs> hey, our friend Amber Athey got in the UK Daily Mail. This is pretty cool. She uh, she wrote, God help America, the Navy hires a drag queen ambassador to boost uh, recruitment. When even our military does a Bud Light, the U.S. truly has been lost to woke fanatics. And we all know this, that uh, the U.S. Navy, on top of everything, the U.S. Navy decides to uh, have a digital, uh, what, ambassador? And this this is a person who's, uh, uh, you know, a drag queen and the whole deal. And uh, what's this guy's name? He's a... Uh, anyway, so uh, they decided to make this guy into a spokesperson for the Navy, and uh, and hell, even uh, even uh, Robert O'Neill, the guy who killed Osama bin Laden, is saying, "I'm out on this, man." He says, "I can't believe I fought for this bull bleep 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 uh, with regard to uh, a non-binary yeoman. How could you be a non-binary and be a yo man, right? Second class Joshua Kelly." who moonlights as cross-dresser Harpy Daniels. Harpy Daniels. Uh, China's just got to be shaking in their boots. And we're just shaking in our our heels, seriously, in our size 11 Gucci, whatever the hell shoes they are. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. Oh, by the way, the uh, the media is looking for its next uh, George Floyd. I thought you should know this. They're trying it with this uh, case with this uh, this uh, Jordan Neely arrested 42 times, uh, and this Marine saw this guy was being violent. He had just uh, he he had uh, punched a 67 year old woman in the face. Been arrested 43 t- 42 times, and uh, this Marine decided to choke him out. And uh, he actually, there was a Hispanic or a black man helping to hold the guy down. And the Marine was telling other passengers, call 911 so the police and ambulance could arrive at the next train station. Doesn't exactly sound like an assassination, does it? But they're going to try and make him to George Floyd. Not going to work. Not going to work. Nice try. Uh... The left is going to try everything, including a civil war. Uh, before 2024, they're going to try and recreate all of the uh, malfeasance, damage, and death they did in 2020. Just be prepared for it. I mean it. But we're going to win. Good wins. Good wins. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, wrap up this here show. This is the Rob Carson Show. That's going to do it for the show, guys. Make sure to check out my TV show, Rob Carson's What in the World on Newsmax. Go to Newsmax TV for uh, listings, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. God bless you guys. Have a glorious weekend with your friends and family. And until Monday, don't catch the stupid. I'll see you then.